I'm Scott Wapner, and you're listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast, the most profitable hour of the trading day. We record this live weekdays at 12 Eastern. Listen in. Carl, thanks so much. Welcome to the Halftime Report. I'm Scott Wapner, front and center this hour. We are on Rally Watch. Stocks attempting another broadening today. And we'll debate with the investment committee where best to be invested right now. Joining me for the hour, Josh Brown, Bill Baruch, Steve Weiss. Let's check the markets. We are, as we said, green across the board. We are on a five-day winning streak. GDP was better than expected today. Yields falling, too. Maybe that's helping things out, despite the stronger data. Um, I do want to begin with moves today, and we do have several. And that's kind of been the theme that we've been on, as all of you know. Many, many moves from the investment committee. Josh Brown, we start with you. Um, we're looking at tech, and you sold AMD. It's just been straight up since you bought it over yeah. the last few months, so you're out. Yeah, so I actually I put it on on, on Halloween, and uh, the stock's up. Uh, I, I think I was up like 87% in the name. This is one of the biggest winners of the last few months. I was lucky enough to be in it, but I never owned a lot of it. It was not a core position. I'm definitely not enough to take a victory lap. Uh, but keep in mind, this is a stock that's up 81%. I also own NVIDIA. In that same period of time, it's up 51%. And NVIDIA is a core position of mine. I have much more exposure there. And I just don't want to own both. I look at things like RSI when I make a decision of if a stock is too hot. AMD hit 78 relative strength index. It's 33% above its 50-day moving average. It's 60% above its 200-day moving average. When people come on the air on, on this network and others and say, oh, it's overbought, usually what they mean by that is I missed it. <laughs> what I mean is technically it's overbought, and I'm using RSI and percentage above the major moving averages. The stock has been up 61% of all trading days since I bought it, an average daily return of 1%. That is just absolutely ludicrous. It can't continue. I'm not saying the top is in. I'm saying no mas for me. I have too much exposure. I want to talk about semis in general. They're now 8% of the S&P 500. Three years ago, they were 4% of the S&P 500. And how about this? They're the same size. Uh, look at NVIDIA, 3.6% of the index. It's as big as the entire energy sector, which is 3.7%. It's bigger than materials. It's bigger than real estate. NVIDIA, one company. So that's where we are with semis, and I just want to have a little bit less exposure. So congrats to Lisa Sue. Congrats to AMD Longs. I'm out. Maybe I'll see you later at lower prices. You, we'll got, you got an AMD Long um, sitting next to you. Not quite as long as you were, though, because you've trimmed this stock as well. And by the way, you did trim NVIDIA, too. I did. Tell us. I did. I think, first, I think Josh made a really great point. You look at these two together. Um, they became our number four and five position, weighting together about 12% of the portfolio. And this, this is just prudent portfolio management. Here, I think the really big takeaway here is earnings are coming up. And we got, basically what we saw over the last month and a half was an earnings beat. We, now we good to go into earnings without taking all the risks. So I'm, I'm peeling these back a little bit, be able to watch it. I, mean, I think the story with the chiplets, what AMD has done is amazing. I don't think it's going anywhere. They could, they're going to eat into a little bit of NVIDIA's business. They've already taken in, Intel's business. I mean, the story is going to continue to be there. The, the revenue that's going to continue, I think, is going to meet expectations, potentially beat. But you look back at NVIDIA's earnings report in August. It beat expectations. What did it do afterwards? Nothing for six months. So what I'm thinking right here, and I've been waiting for this rotation more broadly, like 
are we going to see it? Everybody, everybody thought it was going to start the year. Now is the time. We're looking for that blow-off. doesn't have to be a top, but a blow-off run that then now we consolidate for the next few months. AMD NVIDIA may not do anything and, and just for that RSI point, not go, not sell off, but then the RSI just kind of comes down and then they're ready for the next you run. You could have a great company, but not a great entry price on a stock. Like, that's something that we sometimes lose. We get so excited about product launches and competitive advantages and chips and software platforms. It's also important to remember these are investments and not every price is always the right price. So uh, I agree with what you did. I think I agree with what I did. If they come out and, and report earnings and the stock's up 20 percent, I feel like I could live with it. Like, yeah. I, like I won't be thrilled, but I don't think uh, I don't. I don't think I'm going to be in a monastery the next yeah. day. We're seeing, for, um, for the viewers, they are yeah. they are number nine and ten now. Turned about thirty percent just to get granular than that. Yeah, no, I appreciate you uh, getting as specific as possible. Obviously, I know our viewers do as well. We're seeing those stocks certainly come off their best levels of the session. It does, Steve Weiss. It's nice to see you. I uh, hope you're doing all right. Um, it does speak to these questions about exuberance and froth, and you know, look. Even some of the most bullish market watchers like Ed Yardeni have written notes lately and told me yesterday on Closing Bell, you know, maybe you do have this exuberance building and building and building. And it, look, it, it may not end badly. It might. But maybe we're in the stages of that. And I feel like these two gentlemen to my left are speaking to that and the way that they've moved around their stocks. Yeah, you know, I, I think about that uh, every day and multiple times a day. You know, I take a look at AMD, and, and by the way, the best trade in AMD is, is a friend of mine, Mitch Hawes, was head of IR at Skyworks and moved to AMD in May of 2023. So think about what a great trade that was. Uh, and he's just one of the smartest people out there on the IR side. But, but the, I do have that question, but at the same time, you know, I, I think that the advances continue to be narrow. I, I hate to say this because it's never really true, but has the market become less valuation sensitive, almost valuation agnostic, and looking completely at execution and opportunity? And, you know, I go back to what I've said multiple times, which is that perhaps we have a new class of investor. Now, at the end of the day, you know, some things do change, but most things stay the same cycle after cycle. But even if we do fall off, the way I'm looking at the market right now, is that the base case has shifted from, despite what Goldman says and some others, from, you know, from their view that there's going to be a March cut, to cuts in the second half. The news is there will be cuts. So now that the market's adjusted to that, if we do, in fact, get cuts in the first quarter or even early in the second quarter, then I think the market can continue to go. The Fed has really thread the needle. So you've got an economy that's exceeding expectations, as we saw by GDP. Sure, some numbers are still coming down. Durable goods wasn't a great number, but it was definitely a good enough number. So look, so it's, it's lining up. And the only thing it could monkey up the works, really, is uh, if inflation numbers, and we'll see a number tomorrow, uh, reverse. But I don't see that being the case. So the bottom line is here is that I'm more, more worried about the market that I've been because of the enthusiasm that we've seen, mm -hmm. stocks going up, you know, I mean, you've got Meta going up 1% a day, it's three bucks, but that's a lot, but it's only, you know, it's 1%, and, and that's just not normal, nor is it sustainable. So well, Josh had a phenomenal trade, and I applied, uh, applaud the portfolio management of taking some off the table. You always gotta leave some for the next person to come in with. 
You know, I, I know you just said you're concerned around the market because uh, about the market because of the enthusiasm. Right. I, I think that's the words you use. But your actions yep. um, seem to show that y- you still believe that these kinds of stocks are going to go up because you added to Taiwan Semi and you added to the queues. So the points of alleged froth or potential froth are places that you're still investing. Yeah. So, so uh, you know, when we were asked about, when you asked about what do you think is going to work next year, and for me it was the same thing that worked last year, the mega caps. I don't think you see another 100% year because they're not coming off lows. You know, they're coming off highs. Uh, but yet, I still see issues with, with you know, the industrial stocks, frankly, because while we may not go into recession, that's not looking like we're going to, we're still slowing. And rates are still going to have an impact. You can't go from zero to 5% without an impact. So you're still seeing that. So where's money going to go to take advantage of the market? It's going to go into those companies. So while I admit that perhaps I'm overpaying slightly for Meta this year um, and Microsoft uh, and where they are, as I look out year, two years, three years, they are the winners. And there are very few companies that are like that. In terms of Taiwan Semi, <clears throat> excuse me, Taiwan Semi's in the driver's seat. Taiwan Semi, when you think about how overlooked it was until the last quarter, Microsoft, they want to build AI chips. Who's getting the order? Taiwan Semi. Apple, who's getting the order? Taiwan Semi. NVIDIA, we heard Jensen Wong say, I've got to get more capacity from Taiwan Semi. So Taiwan Semi has pricing power and they've got limited capacity. Mm-hmm. So while they're building a new fab in the U.S., it's going to take a while. So Taiwan Semi, to me, is the best away from, you know, what we see with, uh, with NVIDIA and others will be one of the best performers out there. So that's why I added to it and why it's a very large position. My concern with Taiwan Semi had, had of course, been China. But as she has seen that all the rhetoric, which he's trying to back off of, uh, has really killed his market and is killing his economy. So any move on Taiwan is not going to happen. And despite the fact that Taiwan Semi has substantial properties and manufacturing facilities in China, I just don't think Chinese government can move on them. So, yeah. so I'm comfortable with it. I, um, I just want to note intraday charts of uh, both NVIDIA and AMD. Uh, you know, NVIDIA's top tick today was 627. It's down at 620. So you can see a peelback here. Again, to reiterate what we were talking about earlier, Josh is now out completely of AMD. Bill's trimmed AMD and NVIDIA. If you put up AMD and you look at the best price it was at today, it's almost 184. It's at 181. So we'll continue to watch the market. Dow is uh, only good for about 30 now. S&P's come a little bit lower, too. Obviously, the Nasdaq, as these stocks have come off their better levels uh, of the session. We do, Josh, you know, Weiss was pointing out um, these milestones. You know, Microsoft hits $3 trillion in market cap yesterday. Meta hits a trillion dollars in market cap. Um, and you've had a bit of a shakeup in the top 10 or 11 top market cap stocks within the market because of Tesla and how you know bad that stock has traded and where, it's, where it is today relative to what it's earning. It's really. almost as though you could have uh, a rotation within a rotation. So you have like a mag seven rotation and the number three guy goes down to number seven and the number six guy moves up to five. So I think that's normal. These stocks are not all in the same industry. They shouldn't trade together. I like the idea that there's dispersion. I'm not rooting for Tesla to go down, 
but one of them should be, maybe two of them should be. This should not be a lockstep thing. I get it, we're all excited about data and AI, but I mean, come on, not every company's fundamental outlook is moving up by half to 1% every day, uh, you know, month after month after month. So Tesla, sometimes they treat it like a tech play. Sometimes they treat it like an auto play. I guess it depends on the day of the week and the latest thing that Elon has said. The latest thing that Elon has said is that I might not do AI stuff at Tesla. I don't own enough of the stock. So he has them with, you know, with, a, with a gun to their head, and that's, that's a lot of fun for him, less fun for Tesla longs. I want to get, we'll get to, back to Tesla in a second, uh, but I, I want to first get to the idea of the MAG-7, or let's just say you know, the MAG-whatever, the, the largest market cap stocks in this market, four, five, six, or whatever, are within tech. So the idea that you're going to have, Bill, this broadening out, and obviously it hasn't been playing out that way. Now, you know, a couple days notwithstanding, you've had the Russell perform well. Jonathan Krinsky, who we follow at BTIG for his technical analysis, is saying, time looks to be running out on the laggards. And if the average stock starts to roll over when the super extended leadership names, i.e. mega caps, decide to reverse, that's when things get a bit dicey for the broad indices. Now, we're not at that point. You can have 493 underperformance. You can have seven overperformance for a while. But what about his point? I mean, there's a lot more than seven stocks <coughs> outperforming here. Sure, there's, of course, but yeah. you get the broader point. Yeah, I, I, get, I get the broader point. Now, I, I think, though, what we're seeing is, 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 a, is sort of a, an evolution of, of which stock takes the baton. I mean, obviously, the semiconductors and, and what we're seeing in AMD and NVIDIA was, was, was really playing out for the last 45, 60 days. Apple, everybody was hating on Apple, so to speak. And then all of a sudden last week, it had, some, had an upgrade. It's up 5 7%. Uh, and then the baton gets handed off. Nobody's talking about Amazon so much. It's quietly up five and a half percent on the year. I'm looking forward to that earnings report. Look at Alphabet right now. But, but as we, as as I'm sure it's probably up up nicely as well with the with the with the Congress so, you know, yesterday. Right. So the, Alphabet's up near three percent. Alphabet is twenty percent above its 200-day. Nobody's excited about it. Like like nobody. I'm nobody excited is, about it. I own well, it. Yeah. Weiss, I mean, Weiss Weiss is, me. Bernstein's excited about it. <laughs> Jeffries is excited about it. Wedbush is excited about it because they've all taken either their price targets up today. Um, Weiss, you can talk about it if you want. These these firms that I mentioned have taken their price targets up. So it's at 152. We have a target of 160. We've got a target at 170. We have a reiteration of outperform basically covering the call, uh, the calls on Alphabet today. Yeah, look, on, on Alphabet, like all these stocks, there really is no fundamental reason to raise the price targets. They just don't want to downgrade the stocks. So how do you do that? Have them run a big research department. That's the game you play. You just find a way to raise your estimates by well, a penny. Well, the, the, the maybe a not up. even at all. But the but, problem but, is, is this, this melt-up has blown through a lot of targets. Yeah. That's part of the issue. Exactly. Some would suggest it's, part of a potential right. problem. They're also oh, saying that they're done with the moonshots. They're going to look for outside capital which to, start is right. fund, to start funding the kindergarten yeah. that they've been running for seven years. That's exactly what investors wanted to see from Meta 150% ago in the share price. Now they're seeing it from Alphabet. That's why they're raising targets. It's not only the Mag 7 doing well, that. Uh, a companies yeah, up, and, companies right. up and down but, the scale, th that they're all doing it. So it, there are a lot of really great earnings reports. But I think what we're seeing is, is the Mag 7s are taking the headlines in that cost cutting. So everybody knows about that. But 
I won't mention a couple of names that are performing great. We'll probably touch on them later on over the past couple of weeks and what are doing today. But there are some really great stocks in there uh, to find. And I think uh, to Krinsky's point, there's going to be names that lag. But I think as as we see this being priced in, we're, we're pre-pricing in earnings beats right now. The, the stocks that haven't beaten or not, people don't expect the, the high probability of beating so much. Those are the ones that are going to show up. In Judge, the I, want to, I want to add to that. It's so important. So I'm going to come back to you in a second. Hold on, hold on. I Krins- promise. Hold on. Krinsky's okay. looking at yeah. Krinsky's looking at the bigger stocks as being emblematic of this of this uh, trend and and this outperformance. But like CrowdStrike is over three hundred dollars. This is a stock's up one hundred and fifty percent from from its lows. Uh, Super Micro, which we talked about, I didn't end up buying it. It went from three hundred to almost five hundred. Um, Arista Networks went up a hundred points since November. There are so many stocks that look like that. What many of them have in common is that they are involved in the AI theme, but they're not MAG7 market caps. We're talking about $18 billion market caps, $25 billion, $30 billion. These are not all trillion-dollar companies, so there is this other layer beneath the MAG7. It's a mistake to say 7 versus 493. That is not anyone that has a stock portfolio could log into Schwab and see that that is not what their portfolio looks like, 7 versus 493. Weiss? Yeah, and I get that. I was being somewhat facetious. Look, what's going on with Alphabet or Google is that they had a company subsidiary Verily. They spun that out. Verily was like their think tank. They did all these projects. Now they're saying to Verily, you got to fund yourselves. And they're doing that. Plus, don't forget, you've got the presidential election coming up. So that's going to be ad spending. And then people were way too negative on AI. And Google has a great AI product. Maybe not the same headlines and maybe not up to chat GBT, but it's still a great product. And then, of course, there's web storage. You're going to need uh, cloud storage, rather. You're going to need so much more storage in the cloud from AI. So you've got all these tailwinds and cost efficiency. But to Josh's point, I own a company called Vertiv. Now, I don't own it. I bought the stock in the 40s. That stock a year ago was trading around 15 bucks. What do they do? They are the cooling systems for data centers. So I was looking for a way to play data centers. I don't want to play data centers themselves because it's basically a replay with a, you know, a 3% cap. Um, so where, to go, where do I go? I go to Vertiv. Vertiv is a great takeout candidate, but I don't need to be taken out because the growth, the need for cooling systems, for rack systems in data centers, this stock is up fourfold basically in a year. So you added so to it. Those that, that's, the that's the news. That's yeah, the news I, I, I don't want to bury is, yep. that, is that you you added to VRT. You added to Textron yeah, twice TXT. Twice in last week. You added to Transdime yeah. TG, uh, uh, TDG. TDG. Yeah. And, and those again are idiosyncratic stories. Transdime again they own 48 companies in aerospace and defense. They operate independently. It's a way to play, sort of like a private equity play. It is a serial compounder. If you look at the stock over any long term, it's done exceptionally well. It's a $1,000 stock. Maybe there's a special dividend. I expect a good quarter, but it's in the areas I want to be in that's not in the mainstream that, you know, you're talking about, like, when, we, when did we ever talk about Transdime before I bought the stock? You know, so I like those names. It's hard work finding them, but I like them. I love the vertives, yeah. things like that. So that's that where I'm looking. And that's where, and that's where, to Josh's point, you know, you're not getting the momentum. You're getting momentum from fundamentals, 
not the general fundamentals in Google and, and Meta and Microsoft. Question, Microsoft being top AI play. No, it's, it, you said it, right? It, it's hard to find them. That, that is why for many, it's just become too easy to just buy the mega cap days because you, you feel like you're buying tried, true, well, predictable thing, in terms of earnings growth and, and et cetera. I think one thing that's also important and, and is- Do this quick because then I want to move. All right, seven stocks, only two of them are tech stocks. Like, like based on their definition, Uber is a, it's an industrial. They treat it like an auto as they categorize it. Um, Amazon is consumer discretionary. I don't even know if most people realize that. Um, um, Alphabet, Meta, these are communications sector stocks. These are not all XLK names. This is really important because it's not a situation where investors are plowing into one ETF, which is then driving the performance in all of these stocks at the same time. These are across multiple sectors and, and multiple areas of the economy. The problem with the max sevens for the people that want to put them in a box is they refuse to stay there. Every one of these companies is in multiple businesses and very difficult to categorize. So two of the worst stocks in the market today, one plays into this conversation. Josh mentioned it earlier. It's Tesla. Those shares are down sharply uh, on the back of the earnings. Humana is a disaster today, which we'll get to in a minute. But let's bring in Tesla shareholder Bryn Talkington to get her review of what's happened here. Uh, why don't you just give me your take for somebody who has been really bullish on, on this name, bullish on Elon, bullish, bullish regarding Tesla? Yeah, so I think when you I listened to the call actually this morning, even though it was yesterday. So forget the stock name. They missed on expectations around revenues and earnings. So of the 10 or 11% it's down, that's probably a third of the reason. To me, the two-thirds reason, the other two-thirds, is that when it comes to guidance for 2024, that margins, we're not sure. So Elon was being honest, but the market doesn't want lack of clarity and also volume growth. So I think the stock is down appropriately, being the lack of positive guidance, and they missed the, the reduced numbers to begin with. I think that as in like short term, the stock is in no man's land. You want to see that stock base out at 180. If it can't base that, you're going to be in the 160s. So, you know, rule number one, do not buy a stock on a day like today. You have to see that flush out. As you know, I entered the stock around 120 and 150. I sold calls on some of those that got called away at a higher price. I'm, I'm just in the stock right now. I would look over the next couple of months. So I think it will be dead money over the next couple of months. Once things settle, I'm long-term bullish on the name. I think the manufacturing prowess is, is incredible. But right now, you really just can't touch this name because I think the sellers will continue and the price revisions are going to continue to come out the next couple of days. Hey, Brandon, it's Josh. Good to see you. I wanted no. to ask you what percentage probability you would place on the idea that there's going to be some other vehicle through which Elon Musk expresses his next generation technology ideas away from Tesla. Maybe it's at uh, maybe it's at Starlink, maybe it's at SpaceX generally, or maybe something we haven't thought of, like the boring company that he files an LLC and they're off to the races. Is that like a big risk? And what percentage probability would you place on that risk? I don't think it's a big percentage at all, because there are like full self-driving ultimately is where the AI technology is. And so he talked about it on the call, no other automaker saying, hey, 
Can you guys, can we license your full self-driving? That is where all of the AI technology, that's where all the amazing engineers there. I think that is a low probability. To put some context, Josh, on your comment about what he said the other day about maybe I'm not going to be interested in doing AI or new projects here because I don't own enough of it. He was asked about that. And what he says is that, and I get it, but I mean, he sold the stock. He said, I don't want to have control. I want to have influence because I don't want an activist shareholder who knows nothing about the name, except for it hasn't done well over X amount of time, coming in and exerting more control than he has. So I think, I think over the next few months, the board's going to have to work something out because Elon and Tesla are inextricably, inextricably combined. You can't have one without the other. But I do not think he's going to take away from, from Tesla to just go innovate somewhere else because it's too embedded in the FSD. I mean, I'm looking at commentary today from Dan Ives, who, you know, gave me a million reasons leading into the print yesterday on Closing Bell, why he was so bullish and re remained so on the story. Today says, quote, we were dead wrong expecting Musk and team to step up like adults in the room on the call. Another train wreck conference call. Near-term confidence in the story is shaken. Pivotal period for Musk. Price target cut to 315 from 350. However, the near-term Category 4 hurricane around price cuts and lack of granularity, mm -hmm. guidance, communication from Musk and Tesla is a bitter pill to swallow for the bulls. Uh, it sounds like you agree with almost everything that Dan Ives has suggested this morning. Yeah, I mean, I thought the tone, by the way, because that is important with him. Obviously, he, can, he, he expresses how he feels. The tone on the call was very pragmatic, very different than the quarter before. But you, you have to just look at it. They didn't deliver, and at the size Tesla is right now, you can't miss numbers and then give be opaque or just say, I don't know. He said, I don't know. The CFO was talking about I'm kind of beating around the bush and Elon came in and just said, I don't know what margins are going to be. And I think we could have lower volume next year. Ultimately, this is a China-Europe story. China's 60%. Europe's about 18%. Mm -hmm. You had 30% growth in EVs last year in aggregate. I think you could have that again. But are they able to, I mean, they taught the Chinese actually how to build EV. They, they copied their manufacturing. But now are they going to be able to compete in that hyper, hyper competitive market? To me, that, that lack of clarity is going to, and the, and the stock is just way under the 200-day. I think it's going to be dead money for a few months. So I'm just going to wait and see. I would love to add to the name like I did originally with the Twitter nonsense. I would love to add to the name if I start getting comfort around there is going to be a light at the end of the tunnel, and that tunnel is not a mm -hmm. bus. Yeah, that's uh, a mess today for sure, uh, down near 13 percent, uh, down almost 15 on the week. Uh, Bryn, thank you. Bryn Talkington. The other disaster du jour here is Humana, which is just getting crushed after this warning. So, Weiss, I turn to you on this one. For somebody who was, yeah. you know, in this name, you, you told uh, our executive producer um, last night, that you got stopped out of Humana, and that was before the, the earnings, obviously, today. Um, yeah. Kramer called it, quote, as shocking a downfall that I've ever seen. David Faber this morning was asking aloud and aloud uh, why the company was buying back a lot of stock the first couple of weeks of the year if things were going to be this bad. And, you know, you had been talking about profitable health care. Well, I don't know. What, what, do you, what do you say about this? Yeah. Yeah. So, so look, a, a bunch of lucky things have happened to me. So I'm waiting for the disasters, you know, buying, you know, we'll get to one of them. But, uh, you know, let's talk about Humana first. So, yeah, so I, I put it on as a trade you recall last time I was on the show, which I think was uh, January 9th. 
And um, because I had been losing money in it, uh, I put a stop on it, relatively tight, tight stops. I got stopped out last week. And at the same time, I sold uh, United Healthcare, which was basically slightly better than break even. Uh, they're just not working. And now you're getting into the election year where it's going to be even, uh, even tougher. But when you take a look, they make money off their MLR, the medical loss ratio, which is now at 90%. And that is really high. You want that to be closer to 80%. So you're still seeing, and nobody knows this for sure, and clearly Humana didn't know it, because uh, they just don't have that type of visibility. There's so much change going on in healthcare. The government is pushing Medicare, which is where they are, CMS, to shift the risk to the provider. So in other words, instead of fee-for-service, you go and they say it's 100 bucks for the visit. What, what they're doing now is they're saying, okay, for this patient in this category, we're going to give you 50000 for the year. And if you make money on that, great. If you lose money on that, then that's your thing. So people are really, really changing around the healthcare system. And in addition, you still have the backlog of... Uh, you know, of pandemic visits and surgeries. So usage is going up quite a bit. So all that is the perfect storm for Humana with their Medicare Advantage. And we may see it fall into United as well. So it became much too difficult. United has always been a permanent compounder. You know, I'm sure it'll return to that. But at this point, I'd rather stay in the sidelines. Scott, if I could right. turn to Tesla for a second. You know what, Wes? Um, you got to be real quick. You got to be real quick. Okay. Okay, Tesla, I'm short. As I also told Kevin, I own puts going into it. I shorted the stock today. I bought more puts. Let's put this in perspective, okay? They've got gross margins of 18%. GM has gross margins of 13%, selling at five times earnings. This is 50 times earnings. There is no there. The best days are far behind it. And for the first time, this is highly, highly important. Musk said, unless we start putting tariffs on the Chinese car manufacturers, they're going to own the world. He never said anything negative about the Chinese before. 20% of their business and a lot of their manufacturing comes out of China. So what he's saying is, I am really, really worried. So I would not own Tesla, of course, because I'm shorted. It's going lower. This stock should break 100. Until and I think it's delusional Elon to think it's going to recover. All right. All right. And by the way, with Elon, Elon's worried about an activist coming in. An activist with a 1% position is going to have to spend $6.6 billion. There's no activist coming in. That's ludicrous. And people got pissed off. Jack Dorsey was running two companies, Square and Twitter. What about Elon? He's an unstable genius running half a dozen companies. Get away from it as quickly as you can. All right, well, we're going to make that the last word. Uh, when we come back, uh, a stock that is working is Berkshire Hathaway. Mm. It's at an all-time high. And one Wall Street firm today is out suggesting how much higher it can actually go. Who knows? We'll tell you the number when we come back. Welcome back. Call of the day. It is Berkshire Hathaway. Uh, it, it is at record highs as we speak. Josh, I know you're going to talk about it because you own it. Um, it's UBS today says it can go up another 15 percent. They raised the price target to 435 from 410. Says shares are trading at a 14 percent discount to their intrinsic value, a level that has historically spurred it to become active in buying back its own stock. So a couple of things here. The first is 
a lot of the areas where Berkshire does business are not necessarily areas that are currently being favored in the public stock market. Utilities comes to mind, uh, energy, transmission assets, etc. cetera. Uh, it's a pretty big part of Berkshire. And I think that that is at the heart of why this is, is selling at a discount. Insurance stocks, on the other hand, they're absolutely on fire. Property, casualty, they are all getting the benefit of these higher premiums that they're asking for from business customers. And if you're a business customer and you have something to insure, it's not multiple choice. It's what's the price, okay, I hate you, here's the money. That's, I think, why Berkshire should benefit um, from that trend, and we should see the stock trade more in line with the core insurance business. They don't historically get a lot of uh, benefit for the stock portfolio. I shouldn't have to tell you. Apple is about half of the stock portfolio, a quarter of the market cap of Berkshire. It helps, but it's not going to help as much as maybe it should. Uh, and then outside of that, rest in peace, Charlie Munger. But look what a great job they have done on the succession planning issues that people historically have been very worried about, so much so um, that there was just this assumption if anything were to happen to either of the two gentlemen atop this company for 55 years, they would be held to pay with the share price. That's not how it went this time. And I think people are getting more comfortable with the idea of this investment, this asset, this group of assets having a very, very long life, even even after the inevitable. All right, let's get the headlines now with Silvana Hanau. Hi, Silvana. Hey, Scott. As talks to broker a release deal for hostages in Gaza have stalled, President Biden is sending CIA Director William Burns to help. Burns is expected to travel to Europe to meet with the Israeli spy chief and Qatari prime minister this weekend. Italian police said they uncovered a tax fraud ring involving $1.9 billion in false invoices that were laundered through Chinese shadow banks. The police in Ancona also said that they also seized assets valued at 350 million euros that included luxury cars and real estate. In the seizure report reviewed by Reuters, 64 of the 85 suspects were Chinese nationals. And some Robitussin cough syrups are being recalled due to a microbial contamination. Halion, that's the company that makes Robitussin, issued a voluntary recall today for the Honey CF Max day and nighttime syrups with expiration dates through 2025 and 2026. While the company hasn't received any reports of adverse effects related to this issue, immunocompromised people are most at risk for potential life-threatening issues from using the products. Halftime is back after this break. All right, we're back. We need to flag some stocks that are on the move at this moment. Uh, PayPal is one of them. You can uh, see that sharp decline here. Uh, it's dropped about 3%. The company is holding its innovation day. Uh, apparently making several product-related announcements. Our Kate Rooney is following that. She's going to join us momentarily to tell us exactly what they said that might be the reason for the stock dropping like a stone like you see there. Let's move to United Rentals, though, uh, because they did beat. That stock hits a new 52-week high today. We do it, and I highlight it because you own it, Bill. Yeah, yeah we added it. It was actually my first ad sort of shift on the year. Uh, great report. They're buying back $1.5 billion in stock. 
uh, record revenues. One of the reasons why we added this is, is the narrative that the, the IRA, the Inflation Reduction Act, and the, the fiscal money hasn't came out yet. So we expect that to, to really be a tailwind this year for, for URI. UR, URI. And uh, I mean, we own Caterpillar, so I think that's, that's really looking at it there. But I, I think overall, we look at, the, at this entire narrative too, China, they could see a little bit of a bottom in there. I think there's some some good good uh, good lookout on on that that part of it. Too. I wanted to hit private equity too because Blackstone reported today, and you do have a lot of wondering as to whether this is going to be the year for a lot of exits for for private equity, which is sitting on a lot of stuff. Um, you know, LPs obviously want the rewards at this point. Um, you have Carlisle only. Yeah. What do you think about the PE space? Well, look, uh, PE has discovered wealth management, and that's where the flows are now coming from, in addition to the traditional places like sovereign wealth. And there is so much money in PE, they are literally chasing people down the hallway to give it to any business owner who has positive free cash flow. It's not an exaggeration. There's $2.6 trillion in quote-unquote dry powder. Apollo is like 10% of that. These, these funds have got to deploy the money or they have to return it. And that sounds pretty casual. Oh, you just give it back? They never give it back. Remember, they don't care about the carry. When you talk about two and 20, forget the 20. It's a cherry on top. They live on the two. That's how they employ people. That's how they pay their, their rent. It's the most important thing. So they never give the money back. If you're a PE firm, you don't deploy it. You call back the consultant who placed all this allocation with you. You say, sorry, I couldn't deploy it. Guess what? You screwed up their allocation. You're out for the next time. So. It's literally trillions of dollars, and I don't know about exits. All I know is this is just an area that's going to remain huge in terms of transactions, activity, money being put to work, et cetera. I see it in my industry. I see it all over the place. Okay. Uh, all right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, I hope to have more details for you on this move in PayPal and why it's happening. And then we also have another story breaking now about the Federal Trade Commission digging in on big tech AI related deals. You want to hear about that. We'll tell you both next. All right, Julia Borston is uh, joining us now. Uh, Julia, what do we know about what I'm reading here uh, about the FTC apparently going to scrutinize these big tech AI deals a little uh, more closely? That's exactly right. FTC Chair Lena Khan just announcing that she's launching a market inquiry into the investments and partnerships being formed between AI developers and the cloud service providers. Now, we have to note, this is not an investigation. This is a study or a market inquiry that could then be used potentially as the grounds for future investigations, but not currently investigation. Now, this names Microsoft, Amazon, and Alphabet. Those are the three public companies with a big presence in the AI space that are named in this. And in terms of the private companies, OpenAI and Anthropic are the two key companies in focus here. Now, CNBC has reached out to all the companies. We have not heard back yet. I just want to flag here, Scott, it's really interesting that her focus here is on the business incentives that this AI and generative AI industry is creating, particularly in the relationship between the cloud providers and the AI companies. Um, and Alina Khan made the comparison to social media and the incentives there uh, in terms of user data. So certainly an area to watch, Scott. Yeah, thanks for flagging that and uh, doing that for us, Julia. Appreciate it. That's Julia Borston. Now to the PayPal story, um, which is now below the 200-day moving average, to all, more than 9% off the peak of Monday. Kate Rooney joins us now, as promised, uh, with more details. What are we learning here? 
Hey, Scott, so PayPal is launching a bunch of new AI products, and it's this effort to really revamp the company and fend off some of the competition from you've got Apple Pay, you've got Shopify, and this is the first major announcement we're hearing under Alex Chris, who's the new CEO. He joined in September, clearly really trying to tap into the AI boom as well. They are announcing some of these products are related to AI. I spoke to Alex Chris yesterday. He says it's a way to basically move the company faster, to make it leaner, make the checkout experience better. He acknowledged that the company has not innovated fast enough, as he said, and then hopes that some of these updates can help leapfrog the competition. PayPal really was the first mover and almost invented online checkouts. They have fallen behind based on what Mizuho and others have said in terms of competition from Apple Pay. As I mentioned, they're introducing a few different things. One is this one-click checkout feature. They're calling it Fastlane. It's in early testing, they say. Makes it faster, makes it easier. And some new features for Venmo business as well. They're also leaning into advertising. Shares are down. You can see more than 6% of this news, likely because of the perceived spending. I asked Alex Chris about that and said, are you going to be pouring resources into this? He said, no, it's about getting more efficient, using our existing resources. But Wall Street really wants to see more efficiency versus potential uh, spending here, Scott. So that's likely what's hitting shares here. Wall Street doesn't like this news. Yeah, no, no, not at all. Uh, Down near 6%. Kate Rooney, thank you for that. Mr. Shareholder, learning um, learning about this in real time. Yeah, it's just the stupidest thing I've ever seen. It looks like market manipulation, but nobody wins. <laughs> so what, why would you come out and say, we're going to rock your world or whatever he said, and then the, the big innovation is we're not investing in this. We're still cost cutting, but look, we're going to do a, a faster checkout. That's like table stakes. You have to have a faster check. We all understand that. There's nothing here. They should, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, uh, I'm not impressed by, so far, it's a new CEO. Give them the benefit of the doubt. They report on February 7th. Maybe they will rock our world then, but, like, this is, this is, this is not what's popping in the streets. Like, we don't, we don't roll like this. We don't say big things and then back them up with basically minor incremental improvements to existing products. That's a really weird flex. And that's why you're seeing the stock get traded this way. Okay, uh, so let's uh, let's bounce uh, for a moment. Let me note for you also uh, the Dow's gone negative by near seven points, so that's evaporated. S and P 500 4878. It's off the best levels of the day. So is the Nasdaq too. Maybe some of those tech stocks are reacting to that the report you heard Julia Borston tell us about. But you also heard our guys here at the top of our program taking some money off the table in both AMD and Nvidia. We're back after this. We're watching shares of Western Digital today. They report uh, in overtime. You own it. What are your expectations here? Yeah, I'm looking for a couple of things. So go back to October, November. The stock is up 50% since then. And that's really like that time we added it. We noticed two things that they're spinning off SanDisk. That was about in November to shareholders. They're also talking about restructuring debt. I think in an environment where steady growth, today's GDP 3.3%, uh, steady growth in a little bit lower yields, prices are coming down. This is a, this, this type of stock that you want to own. Now you go back to, to the memory, the trough of memory dam, demand coming from a, a, a CEO like Micron. Hard disk drive, HDD. Uh, let's see what they comment about that. A little bit of a trough there through that inventory cycle. I think this is higher to go. Morgan Stanley certainly does. It's their top pick uh, in the chip sector. All right. When we come back, we'll do final trades. About 3 o'clock Eastern today. I hope you'll join me. Glenn Kacher of Light Street is going to be with us in an exclusive interview. 
What a time, too, uh, just given what's going on with tech stocks and this, even this new news today uh, regarding the FTC. We'll, we'll talk to him about all that. I'll see you in a couple hours. Weiss, final trade, please. Tesla short. I'm staying with it. I think next stop is 150. All right. Bill Baruch. Southern Copper Corp. Now, this is a pure play on copper. Copper itself is very technically supportive right now. We like that. China did come in, uh, and we uh, they lowered their RR, announced that, uh, which is a rate cut. I think this is going to really keep going. Now, they had a lot of CapEx. They report next week, and their CapEx is, uh, I think, in the, in the history here. We're seeing it. Uh, it's final trades. Relax. Uber, new exactly. all-time high. Raise the exactly. This isn't beginning trades. Yeah. All right, I'll see you on Closing Bell. You've been listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast. You can always catch us live weekdays at 12 Eastern, only on CNBC. All opinions expressed by the Halftime Report participants are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of CNBC, NBC Universal, their parent company or affiliates, and may have been previously disseminated by them on television, radio, internet, or another medium. You should not treat any opinion expressed on this podcast as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of an opinion. Such opinions are based upon information the Halftime Report participants consider reliable, but neither CNBC nor its affiliates and or subsidiaries warrant its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. To view the full Halftime Report disclaimer, please visit cnbc.com forward slash Halftime Report disclaimer.